Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we, uh, we call you hallowed. We call you, Father, our King of kings and Lord of lords. We love you. It is with great, great honor, Father, that we come before you now, each of us uh, willing to come, Father, because you have given us our will to do as, as we wish at this moment, and that is to praise you and lift up your holy and righteous name. And so we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be our name, or your name, Father. May your kingdom come on, on earth, Father, in our lives as it is in heaven, as you so desire. We pray you'd give us this day our daily bread. We pray that you would forgive us our trespasses, dear Father, as we would forgive those who trespass against us. And dear Father, that we would be a people for your pleasure, that we would be a people that reach after you and seek after your your goodness and your grace. And Father, that we would be able to love you with a full heart this day and every day that we take breath. Lord God, thank you so much for this church and these people. And thank you for the music we just sang. And now, Father, thank you for the word of God that we may study and hear more about the wonders of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I am excited to be with you this morning. Happy New Year. We are in the book of Revelation. Will you please turn with me? Last book in the Bible. You should have no trouble finding this one now. We'll be in the book of Revelation for a while. I want you to remember that it is the book of Revelation. It's singular. It's not plural. Um, Try to get that in your mind. Uh, Oftentimes people say, what are you studying? Well, we're studying the book of Revelations. No, we're studying the book of Revelation here at this church. It is It is singular. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we are going to find out more about Him and His majesty than in any other place in Scripture. You are going to be amazed by this study. We have the privilege of coming to the very Word of God. And and I've been studying through some different commentaries. And uh, one of my favorite, well, my wife bought me a book by uh, uh, Ironside. It's a really good book on, the, on, the, uh, on, on preaching some messages out of the book of Revelation. And I've really been enjoying reading him. And my favorite, of course, is John MacArthur. I make no bones about it. I absolutely love that man. And I appreciate all he is. He's actually, a, I can call him a friend. I, I knew his dad real well. My wife and I sat under the teaching of his father. And I knew Johnny bef- before he came out here and started his wonderful church. And... and uh, and so when I was reading his commentary, I, I do what I do to all guys I like and love a lot. I stole from him. I, I always would. Um, and he starts out off almost every book that he writes with Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. And he, he quotes out of that because he says that's the, the very desire of his heart. And may I say humbly, that is the desire of my heart as well. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 8 um, and verse 8 saying, They read from the book. Nehemiah says they read from the law of God. They translated what they read so as to give sense to its meaning so that they would understand what they read. That is my deepest desire in this church. My deepest desire is for you and me to be able to make sense of what we are reading so that we not only hear, because we will probably hear, uh, and it's not only that. Um, now I'm saying that, and I just got in, I got it uh, convicted. Not everyone can hear, but we can see what you say, and that's great. I love you. 
so much. We not only hear, but we got to understand. But once we hear and we start to understand, then we need to respond to what we understand. Throughout this book, you're going to find the word, and we are to take heed. Heed to do what was written within these pages. Now, I've heard over and over again, how can you even begin to study the book of Revelation? It is really difficult. I've tried reading it before. It makes no sense to me. Uh, this is really too big of a, a, a project. Well, the truth of the matter is, it is a difficult book to understand. But that's because most Christians today are not ready to receive the Word of God because most Christians' hearts today are just not right before the Lord. The Within the church, within the life of Christianity, which is I'm going to try with all of my heart. Here's one of my agendas for, this, this, for how long it takes us to study this book. I want to try with all my heart to drive the world out of your life and the church. I want to drive the whole idea of what's going on in this world in which we live today out of our lives and out of this place. I want us to be a people that love the Lord our God and understand who He is and, 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 and not, not mix in the world with what we believe. The reason is that most people can't comprehend the book of Revelation is because most Christians' hearts just not right. The world has been mixed in. We can't receive all the wonders that God has for us because we're just not ready. You see, we are ready. We've got to understand this. In the Old Testament, Daniel was approached by an angel. The angel was telling Daniel about the end times, the times that were going to come upon the earth. And Daniel begged for him, tell me, when will this time be? And the angel said to him, and Daniel, you can look it up later, is Daniel 12, verse 9. The angel said to Daniel in Daniel 12, verse 9, he said, Go your way, Daniel. He says, Because these words are concealed and they are sealed up until the end times. In other words, Daniel, it's not time for you to, to know these things yet. Well, as we're going to be studying this great book, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, in the 22nd, the last chapter, in the 10th verse, we find out it is time. Now's the time. Jesus Christ makes this statement in Revelation 22.10. Seal up, he says to John. Seal not up. Not up. Don't seal up the sayings of the prophecy of this book because, he says, the time is at hand. We are now in that time. And so what I want to ask from you and for me is, are we ready? Are we willing? Are we finally ready to hear the Word of God? Now, it's evident that the book of Revelation, it was given for our instruction. But there are so many people today that have, have, have permitted themselves not to receive God's blessings because they've ignored studying this great, great book. And their disobedience limits their making sense of it, as, 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 excuse me, as, as was said in, in the book of Nehemiah. It makes sense of 
what we read. Now, what we're going to see today, this morning is just an overview. We're not going to get into a line-on-line study just today. We will next week. Today, what I'd like to do for us is to set the tone, set the tone for this, this, this great book, the book of Revelation. Now, I want you to note something. There is a blessing in your life for reading it. I want you to look at the first chapter. I want you to look at the third verse. We will see this verse again in a little while. John says at the beginning of this study, blessed. Here's a blessing that comes your way and my way. Blessed are the persons who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy. But note, and heed, you're going to note this a lot, heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And then Jesus Christ himself says in the last chapter, in the 22nd chapter, the 7th verse, he says, Behold, I am coming, what? Quickly. I'm coming quickly. Blessed, he says, are those who heed the words of the prophecy of this book. And so I'm sure you realize just from that little bit of really reading, just that little bit of knowledge, that there is a blessing that comes our way from God to those of us who read and heed and hear this book. And I'm sure that you know and you realize that God did not, nor would He, keep any blessings from you and me because we just can't understand them. It would be like our, us with our children. We wouldn't, we wouldn't expect to say things to our kids that they don't understand and then expect them to live it out. No, we would tell them as best we know how so that they would understand it. God's done the same thing for you and me. This book is not that difficult to understand if we will heed and come to this book as I will tell you in a couple of minutes. This great book's book makes a promise of a blessing to those who read it, to those who study it, to those who keep the words that they hear, the bo- those that hear it and heed the things that are written within these pages. So, I didn't tell you about this, but I asked permission this week if we could have communion. We're going to have communion. In fact, guys, would you come and, and pass it out? What we'd like to do it is do it fairly quickly because we want to get into the study and we still have much more that we want to say about this, about the introduction to this great book. But the reason I'd like for you and me to have communion is, is I'd like for us to get our hearts right. I want us to come into this book with our hearts ready to hear from God. And what I'm going to uh, give you as an opportunity right now is to think. Think about, is there anything in your life that's keeping you from really hearing the Word of God? Is there anything in your life that is keeping you from being the person that God's created you to be? You, now, let me tell you what I, at least happens in my life. I, I don't have to dig, dig, dig deep to, um, to, to find sin in my life. The Holy Spirit of God is very, very good at convicting me. My deal in the process is, When I ask Him to convict me of my sin, when He does, my deal in the process is to repent from it. My deal in the process is to ask Him for forgiveness, to not sugarcoat it, but just simply say, Lord, please, please forgive me. And where need be, 
repent so that I will not do this again. So I'm going to ask you to do that in a moment. As soon as you have the, the elements in your hand, the, the bread and the wine, I know it's juice, but I like to say it's wine, uh, but we, we will then take communion together. And so when you, when you receive the elements, just hold them for a while. And, and we're going to now, as soon as we pass everything out, we'll, we'll dim the lights for about, oh, two or three minutes. We're not going to take long with this. And then I will kind of lead us through uh, taking the bread and the wine. So why don't you go before God right now if you have the, the time and just um, ask Him to share with you what, what you might need to confess. I hope I'm not interrupting your thoughts. But I'd love for you to think with me. When our Lord was with the disciples, he told them about what he was about to do. That was he was going to go to the cross, and he was going to give his life up for the sin of this world. When they took him to the cross, those that convicted him of of wrong where he had not done any wrong. They put him upon that cross thinking that they were killing him because he was a sinner. When the fact of the matter is, he went upon that cross willingly. He went upon that cross for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. He went upon that cross so as to take upon himself our sin. He who who had no sin allowed sin to be a part of himself so that he could forgive us and carry the burden of our sin upon himself. What he asks of us in return is whenever we take of this bread, we would do it in remembrance of who he is. Remember what he did on the cross for you. Remember that he gave of his life so that you might have life. Remember that he died for your sin. During that meal, Jesus Christ took some wine and he says, I'm, I'm having given a new covenant to you. The covenant of the forgiveness of your sin. This wine, he says, is uh, my blood. It shall be shed for the forgiveness of your sin and when you drink of it. Remember what I've done for you. You see, when the soldiers stuck a sword in his side, when they put nails into his, his wrists and his, his uh, ankles, they thought he would, they were doing him harm. When the spear shoved in his side, and what they didn't realize is that blood that, that he was shedding was for them, for us, for all mankind. He shed his blood so that you and I would have the forgiveness of sin forever. Once and for all, our Savior came and died for the sin of this world. Yours, my sin. And so Jesus said to those that follow him, you and me, when you drink of this, do so in remembrance of what I've done for you, that your sins have been forgiven. Our Father, Who could, have, who could have conceived of such a plan? 
through the death upon a cross, through the shedding of blood, you have in one, one time given forgiveness to all mankind. And then, Father, to, to solidify what you did, you, you raised yourself from the dead to prove that, that you are exactly who you say you are, the God of this universe, the one who is worthy, the one who can truly forgive sin and give everlasting life to those of us who believe. Oh my gosh, Father. Is there any way in, in the whole wide world that we could ever repay you other than just coming to you in faith and living for you in obedience? I don't think so, Father. I think that you've done everything for us. And so, Lord, would you open up our eyes and, and, and give us an understanding of this great book we will see you, Father. We will see your Son, Father, in all of his glory. We will see him like nowhere else we, we can see him in Scripture. Help us, Father, to understand the things we are about to see. Truly open up our eyes so that we might behold absolutely wonderful things from your word, we pray. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Look at verse 19, chapter 1. Let me show you right off the bat that God wants you and I to understand what this book is all about. Immediately, almost immediately, He gives us an outline of this book. He puts it into the past, He puts it into the present, and He puts it into the future. He says in verse 19, He tells John, John, I want you to write these things. Look what it says. Therefore write. John must have said to himself, write what? And the Lord said to him, Write the things that you have seen, write the things which are, and also write the things which will take place after these things. You see, the things that John saw was the majesty of Jesus Christ. We, he saw him in all of his glory. As I've said to you a little while ago, you will never, we will never see Jesus Christ like we see him here in the book of Revelation. Not until we see him face to face. Read with me. Look what John wrote concerning what he saw. Look in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. And look with me. Let's start uh, in verse 10. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he says, I, I heard behind me a, a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. I want you to remember that because we'll, we'll come upon that phrase again. Now John was, as it says in the verse before, verse 9, he was on the Isle of Patmos. God had placed him there so as to write this book. And so he says, I heard behind me a loud voice. It was like the sound of a trumpet. And the voice said in verse 11, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. And so John turns around in verse 12, and he wanted to see what was speaking, who was speaking to him. And he saw the voice that was speaking with him. And having turned, he said, he saw seven golden lampstands. Now we're going to learn what all of this means in, in good time. 
But let's just read through it right now. And in the middle, it says in verse 13 of the lampstands, he saw one standing, one like the Son of Man. There's Jesus Christ right before his eyes. He says that he was clothed in a robe reaching to the feet and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. It said his head and his hair were, were white. They were, they were like wool, like snow, he said. And his eyes, he said, were like a flame of fire. I mean, these things are going to just explode upon our hearts in time when we really take a look at what does this mean. It says his feet were like burnished bronze when it had been caused to glow in the furnace. And his voice, his voice, he says, was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth, he, John wrote, came a sharp two-edged sword in his face was like the sun shining in, in its strength. And John did what any one of us would have done. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a, a dead man. And Jesus Christ, it says, laid his right hand upon John, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. And so he says in verse 19, therefore write these things. And so John immediately saw who Jesus was in his glory. When Jesus told him to write, he told him to write the things that are. Now, the things that John saw was in chapter 1. The things that, that are are in chapters 2 and 3. And that explains the church, but it, it won't explain just the church. It'll explain what we're to be like as a church. It'll explain to us the good things that we ought to incorporate into our body here at the rock and, and the things that we, we shouldn't do. It'll show both sides. And we'll be able to see the things that are the church in chapters 2 and chapter 3. And then from chapter 4 until the end of this great book, chapter 22, we will see the things that will take place after these things. It, it is a prophetic revelation. It is a future of events that are going to unfold right before our eyes. Some of them are already happening. And we will be able to study and see what is it going to be like. What is, what is the earth going to be like before the coming of our Lord? I want you to look with me at chapter 4 for just a second. Look at verse 1. John, after talking about who Jesus was in all of His glory in chapter 1, and what the church looks like in chapters 2 and 3. And in chapter 4, he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. John's about to be transported into heaven itself. John says in verse 1 of chapter 4, And the first voice, that voice that I heard, the one that was like what? The sound of a trumpet? He said to me, come up here. I want to show you what must take place after these things. And so the prophetic revelation of the future events which are going to unfold, unfold you and I will be able to study. And we'll be able to understand what, what is lying before us as a people as we study this great, great, great book. Now, let's talk. Let's take a step back and talk about what are we looking at? Why study this great book? 
Let me tell you one thing for sure. For those of you that are really excited about studying it, me too. But I'm going into this knowing full well that we will be under attack. There is absolutely no way that you study this book that Satan is going to be happy. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack me. He's going to attack this church. He does not want what we want to teach taught. And we will not compromise. We will not step away from what is God's truth and, and water it down so that it's, it's palatable. We will, we will teach it at its full power if we can. I will try that with all my heart. I make that promise to you. And so this book chronicles the events that, that will take place before and, and, and during our Lord's coming back to earth. But with this book, if you go back to chapter 1 and you look again at verse 3, you'll see that we receive three things. We receive a blessing, but we also receive a warning, and we also receive a promise. Read with me verse 3. Blessed, here's our blessing. Blessing is the person who reads and the one who hears. Now, we've, we've taught before. I mean, Rob taught so beautifully about about not just simply hearing, but incorporating into our lives what we hear. So we understand the blessings of those who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy. But here is our warning. We need to take heed. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to even maybe understand it. But it's a whole nother place that you and I must go when we take heed of the things that are written in this book. And that's where I'm going to try and push you and push me to a place where we not only hear the things of God, not only understand it, but we will take heed. We will, we will be obedient to what God is saying to us. That's the warning. We receive the blessing, we receive the warning, and here's the promise. The time is near. God's promise is we are in right now the end times. The time when all of these things that are written about in this book will come to pass. Now today we live in a, a society that is full of chaos. A lot of confusion. I mean, look around. We are living in a time that, that speaks of in the Bible. Wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, people against people. We live in a very chaotic time, but we also live in a time that peace will come. But I want you to be careful about the peace that's going to come. When the Bible speaks about peace that's going to come, it's not talking about peace on earth. That's not going to happen until this whole thing explodes and the Lord places a new heaven and a new earth. Then there will be peace on earth. Right now, the peace that the Bible speaks about is not peace on earth, but peace in your heart. That's what God wants from you and me. He wants us to have a, an assurance of who He is. He wants us to be, uh, as Paul taught us, He wants us to be content in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. That's the peace that God is speaking about. Not peace on earth. Be careful that you look for that type of peace. It's not what the Bible is speaking of. We live in a very chaotic time. We live in a time where there's a lot of confusion. I remember I, uh, I had a privilege of, of, um, of, of going and, and, and speaking at a, at a 
a conference quite a while ago, and twice this took place in my life. I went back to West Virginia. I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a great, great privilege. When I flew into West, went into the Virginia area, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything. The United States is such a beautiful land. It, the, it was so pretty flying over. When I went to the hotel, I came across the woman at the desk, and I, man, she was just, <laughs> she was absolutely beautiful. It's an African American woman that I just immediately fell in love, and I said, you know, this is, this your city is so beautiful. And she said, thank you, it is a beautiful city. And I said, I want to go for a walk, and you tell me. Where would be some of the pretty places to go? And she says, oh, you could go anywhere in front of this hotel you want to. But she says, please don't go behind this place. Don't go in the streets behind us. There's a lot of trouble back there. I don't want you to get in any trouble. I went back to my hometown in Highland Park, or Michigan. As this was uh, somewhere in between when I went to West Virginia and now. And, and I was born and raised in in a little town called Highland Park, Michigan, which I absolutely love, raised in a really nice area. And um, went back for a friend's wedding uh, anniversary. And um, same thing happened. I went to the desk, and I saw this lady that was working there, and I said to her, uh, I'm from Michigan, you know? She said, oh, great. And I said, yeah, I lived in Highland Park. And her eyes got big, and she said, oh, Wow. It's not probably like what it was when you lived there, she said. And I said, well, I want to go back and see it. She says, oh, please don't go back. I said, why? She says, oh, it's, it's, it's a rough area. I said, well, I'm going. She said, well, if you go, she says, then don't get off Woodward. Woodward is the main drag that goes from, from where we were into Detroit area. She says, it's too dangerous. So I went with my wife, and I took her anyways off the... We went in the alley where I used to play, and we went all those places. It was a Sunday morning. It was uh, really cold, and nobody was out hardly. I felt very secure and safe, but we, we just... We went, and I noticed that there, was, there were homes that were half burnt down. The place looked like a war zone. The house that I was born and raised in um, wasn't even there anymore. The times that we live in are very difficult, folks. We're living in a time that um, is chaotic, and I don't think it's going to get any better, to be honest with you. And what we will see out of this book is that Jesus Christ is going to bring an end to all that chaos one day. He will bring an end to all the sorrow. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will bring an end to death and its pain to those who love him. But we live in a society today that, that there are threats, nuclear war, terror. We see threats that of the end of our civilization as we once knew it. Nation now has risen against nation. We also see, if we step back and look, we see the media, we see movies, we see arts and the like showing the worst side of mankind. Pornography is running wild. I mean, things that once were not even spoken of now are, are being shown. If it's not on television, it's in magazines. If it's not in magazines, it's, it's, it's on billboards. Language that was once not normally heard has now become commonplace, even within our schools. 
our youth, boys and girls, are speaking in that way. It's a way of life almost. And there's no longer an attempt for those in authority to protect our children from any of this. We've become exactly what Paul wrote of in the book of Romans, the first chapter, the last verse, the 32nd verse. In that chapter, God says that none of us are with, with excuse. Every one of us knows that there is a God. It is innate within us. And it goes on to say all of these things that are, are happening that are just terrible in our society. Finally, in the 32nd verse of Romans chapter 1, Paul writes, Although they, they meaning those who are in this sin, they knew the ordinances of God. In other words, they knew what God said. They knew that those who practice these things were worthy of death, not just physical death, but eternal death. They know the difference. It says in verse 32, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's, it's becoming a way of life. But that's not what God sees. That's not the way God sees us. Look at the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Look at the fifth and the sixth verse. Look at these verses. Look at the promise that God gives to those of us who love Him. In verse 5 it says, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn of the dead. Jesus Christ, who is the ruler of the kings of this earth. To Him who loves us. Note, He has released us from what? He has released us from our sin By His blood. That's why we take communion. That's why we remember what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. That's why we we love Him so much. Because upon His body, He bore yours and my sin. And shed His blood so that our sins may be forgiven to those of us who love and trust in Him. What else shall we learn? Look at verse 6. He has also made us to be a kingdom priests. What we're going to see in this book, the book of Revelation, is the clearest picture of the teaching of Jesus Christ that you will see anywhere. We will see salvation as clear as it can possibly be seen. We're going to see how much God truly loves those of us who know and trust and believe in Him. In the meantime, what we will be seeing is how our society winks at sin. They're going to laugh and mock at you and me who say no to this sinful lifestyle. They're going to mock and laugh at you and me who, who wish to faithfully follow our Lord. Truly, people, we are living in a time where we have clearly seen that good all of a sudden has become bad and bad has all of a sudden become good right before our eyes. And our leaders, our leaders have failed us. Politically, educationally, most important, religiously. This generation, we are, we are birthing a group of wimps who preach the gospel. Who have decided that it's it's more important to have a crowd in church and 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 and, and money in, in the preacher's pocket than it is to separate himself from all of that and preach faithfully the word of God. Preach this and not worry about the crowds. God will take care of the crowds. Look at us today. Look. 
God will take care of this. But this book is going to separate the, the serious believers from those that get edgy. Because the truths that are in here are, are for us to follow. The truth that is written in the book of Revelation will be a challenge in your life and in my life. So we will not compromise on the Word of God. We will teach as faithfully as we know how the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we will take every word and we will, we will take a look at it seriously. And so while all things around us seem to be falling apart, there is one within these pages who will bring you and me peace. Now I warn you again, let us not be a people like the people who were foolish when Jesus Christ walked this earth and desired his kingdom, his peace right then and there. You know, he promised them a peace that comes from within, what I tried to explain a little while ago. If you and I sell out for peace now, I mean peace, then we will become susceptible to the evil one that will soon come around. Crown, uh, come around and say, peace, peace, I want to give you peace. And he'll bring about a temporary peace that will take thousands to hell with them. No, I want us to stand for what is right. I want you and me to have peace, all right, but I want it to be within. And so what I want us to do is to take a good, hard look at Jesus Christ. And patiently wait for his forever peace that will come one day to all of us that love and trust in him. Now, what do we need? Four things. Four things that I want to think, I think that is critical for you and me to, to know as we start the study of this book next week. First thing you need to have is faith. The Bible says, look up on the wall. It says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. And so we need to come to this study with, with faith in our hearts and in our hands. To understand this great book, we need the faith of God to teach us and to lead us. You see, one thing I know for certain is that God wants you and me to understand what is written in here much more than we know. In Psalms 119, verse 18, a long time ago, I sat down with a man who had memorized a a good portion of the Bible. He memorized it while he was in jail. He was sent to jail. When I met him, he was a preacher. And he was in his late 80s, maybe early 90s. I don't remember exactly. His name was Anthony Zioli. And he said, John, do you, when you study the Bible, what do you, what do you say to God before you start? And I said, I don't know. I just start. And he said, oh, don't ever do that again. He says, do you know Psalms 119, verse 18? And I said, uh, no, I do not, Anthony. And he says, I want you to memorize it. And every time you get into the Word of God, I want you to ask God that He would open up your eyes, that you might behold wonderful things from His law. That's what Psalms 119, 18 says. Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from Your law. There is no time that you and I should come to this book flippantly. We should come to it expecting God to teach us great and wonderful things. 
And so we come to Him by faith. Besides faith, we need a clean and sinless life. We need moral purity. That's the second thing you and I need to build within our lives. Moral purity, purity is directly related to understanding the Word of God. An unwillingness to repent becomes a barrier in your heart and my heart to understand the things of God. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. We need to have moral purity. Faith, moral purity. Thirdly, we need obedience. We need to hear what God is saying, and we need to understand what He is saying, and then we need to do what He is saying. In Psalms 119, verse 100, it says this, I understand more than the aged because I have observed or followed your teachings. You see, an obedient life gives understanding. Yes, even more than age. There are some young people in 180 right now that are learning quicker than you and me. And they're learning the things of God and it has nothing to do with age. It has, has everything to do with a pure heart and, and a willingness to learn and to to absorb things like a sponge. And, and, and with, with God in your corner and my corner, He can honestly teach old dogs new tricks. He can. He wants to lead you. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you'll keep my word, my commandments. And so note God's pattern for understanding this, not only the book of Revelation, but any other book that we study, there needs to be faith, there needs to be moral purity, and there needs to be obedience, and finally, there needs to be a diligent study. You and I need to, to understand that to really grasp the things of God, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes effort, it takes work. When is it the last time that you have agonized over the things of God? When is it the last time that you've opened up your Bible and came upon some truth and wanted to know what does it mean to me? How deeply am I to know this God? And how, when is the last time you've fallen on your face before God and wept and sweated over the, the trying to understand what was written in here for you? See, most of us as Christians, we, we've, we've let the world come and affect us. We've become like the world. We, we want everything real fast, real fast. You know, we're a microwave society. We want to learn it now. And so we come to the Word of God, and we don't understand exactly what it says to us, and we say, oh, I'll move on. I love the fact that I get to study in a private room in my own home and I love the fact that I have a door that I can close because there's times when I'm flat on my face on my carpet asking God what in the world does that mean I don't understand it how am I going to tell the people teach me open up my eyes so that I might behold wonderful things from your law teach me And that takes time, folks. It takes time. I want to close with this thought. You can maybe mark, I don't know what you want to do about the book of Revelation. You might not even have to mark it, but 
Turn with me to the book of Acts. It's to the left. Now, that's uh, automatic, isn't it? It's to the left. It's uh, right after the book of Romans, if you're going from the left. It's right after the book of John. I want you to see the 17th chapter. Here's what I want you and me to be like. You've read this before. You know this verse once we start to read it. I want you and me to like be, become like the Bereans. I want people, when they see this church, when they see the Rock Community Church, I want people to see people who are noble-minded. I want, us, want them to see people who, who diligently study the Word of God. Listen to what Paul, how he compliments this group of people from Berea. He says they were more, verse 11 of chapter 17 of Acts, they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Because, he says, they received the word with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, what I am teaching you, I don't want you to take it for granted. I want you to, 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 to take it home and study it and see if these things that we are teaching is so. See if it's truth in your heart so that it becomes yours, not ours, not mine. That the things that you learn, that you believe and trust in it, it's, it's yours, you own it. It's your faith. It's your passion for the Lord. Now, most of us read verse 11, and we, we don't look at verse 12 often. Look at the aftermath of, of being noble-minded. Look at the aftermath of receiving the Word of God with great eagerness. Look at the aftermath of examining the Scriptures daily to see if the things that you were learning are truth or not. Consequently, verse 12 says, many of them believed. It's talking about a deeper belief. It's talking about many people who came into the church and, and were not believers became believers because they had studied the Word of God. They examined these things. They really saw whether it was truth or not. And many of them believed. And even it said some of the prominent Greeks, men and women, they believed too. Folks, that's my passion. That's, that to me is, is everything that we would get to understand and know this, the Word of God. It is, it is, you'll be able to understand it. I, I make that promise to you. If you'll come to it with faith, if you'll come to it with moral purity, if you'll come to it, oh, uh, what was the third one? Oh, uh, obedience. Oh, yeah, fine, I forgot obedience. <laughs> Isn't that just like me? Oh, man, when my wife got on the way home, I'd get it all the way home, this one. This one doesn't go just the freeway. This one goes all the way to the house. <laughs> and after obedience is to study it diligently. You see, a thorough study of this, the Word of God, will bring forth new believers. It'll make you a, a tool to be used for our God, sharp and ready. A thorough study of this and new believers is what I want more than gold. You see, the Bible, to me, is more precious than anything on the face of this earth. 
I would be willing to give up everything except for the Word of God. This must be your and my focal point. It might be, must be the essence of our lives. And so in the weeks to come, we're going to take great care in this great book we're going to study. I think you're going to see Jesus Christ in a light that you've never, ever seen him before. I know you love him. I know that. I know you trust in him for your salvation. I know that. But you're going to see him in such a different fashion. And hopefully that we will go back to our first love. Hopefully our passion for him will burn deep within our souls. And no one or nothing will be able to shake you and me from our faith. Make it happen, Father. Father, I pray your, uh, your blessings upon each of us. I thank you, Father God, that we uh, have the privilege of studying your word. And I pray, dear Father, that you will bless each and every person that diligently studies this word and takes heed to do the things that are written within its pages. Father, we will help each of us here to do that. Father, but we need you more than anything. We need you to guide us. And so, Father, we give you that privilege in our lives. We look forward to next week, Father, that we can start line upon line, word upon word study of this great and most awesome book. I pray, Father, that you will bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. May I say, um, don't expect us to rush through this book. I, I mean, I know I've been slow before. This might be all time slow. So if that bothers you, I, I ask your forgiveness right now. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day. Thanks for being here. It's good to see you all.